Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, we brought Dave Burkett in again today because he's, you know, he's the man, and we wanted to talk about the Red Wings. <laughs> and, well, uh, and, yeah, you, and you two are our Red Wings experts. <laughs> on the, Between both of you, you've probably paid to attend a Red Wings game, what, like half a time? One time, one and a half well, times. Well, we both have televisions, and we both uh, we both watch. And I think we both know that, um, <laughs> that, like in most sports, you don't win a Stanley Cup without a superstar. I think there's one team in the last decade that maybe has, and Dave, I'm sure, can tell us what that team is. Right, Dave? No, I don't want to put you on the spot. We, uh, yeah, the Pistons in 2005. Exactly, the St. Louis Blues <laughs> or the Detroit Pistons of the, of the NHL. There, there, there you go. So, uh, no, Dave, it took me weeks and weeks of research just to find out where little caesar's arena was so and then and, and then i got in trouble with our colleague elena uh elena st james last night because i ran into ken holland on the elevator ride up and i used to know him pretty well from back when i really seriously covered the wings and she's like how do you know ken holland <laughs> and i said i used to sit in his office all the time she said that story's getting old i know she was yeah. uh She's she trying was, to be trading on your on your uh, glory years of the past when you were the undercover fan. Well, I will say this real quickly because I know how much Carlos loves Connor McDavid um, of the Edmonton Oilers, Dave. I know Ken Holland. No, Ken no, Holland. No. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm well aware of Connor McDavid. I, you know, my son plays NHL uh, <laughs> on PS5, so I'm I'm in tune with some of the top players. So, so Holland told me last night, you'll appreciate this. He, he said, uh, he's like, this is the best player I've ever seen in my career. And I said, does your mind you of anybody with the speed? What about Fedorov? And he's like, well, Fedorov was close in terms of the speed, but he combines Fedorov's quickness and speed with Iserman's sort of toughness and the way he gets in there and chips. Exactly and, how I describe him, too. Yeah, going to the boards and. Well, that's a pretty good player if you want to combine those two. In any case, we're that's uh, a great player. It's, uh, it's obviously why the Oilers have won so many Stanley Cups with him, and uh, why he uh, he had what they, they scored five goals and how many points did he have in that game? Oh, oh last night, you know, it was all it was all third liner scoring last night. But he hasn't yeah. scored three in the last five, and he had 123 points last year. Look, this this is a, <laughs> this is a good transition to the Lions because. Like in any sport, even in basketball, your favorite sport, Dave, one player is not enough. LeBron's not enough. LeBron set the all-time scoring record um, against the Oklahoma City Thunder Tuesday night in L.A., and they lost to the Thunder, right? So and he had 30-whatever, I don't know, and to, to, to surpass Kareem. So one player can't get it done. Obviously, one player can't get it done in football. But uh, we're bringing in Dave Carls to talk about maybe a few players the Lions need, among other things, to uh, to get to the level of the teams that we're going to watch Sunday in the Super Bowl. So what you say, Carlos? I say that, uh, you know, people need to send Dave Burkett, you know, at, at dburkett at freepress.com some mailback questions about which quarterback the Lions need to draft because that's the <laughs> one player that they're missing, right, Dave? You know, um, I'm going to have to take the Kyrie approach. I might have to ask for a trade if you don't start referring to me as a great day Burkett again. I feel disrespected right now. So, Are you going to uh, go into a four-day retreat of darkness? I, I'm thinking about that. Yeah, I really am. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, look, it's, uh, I, I don't need any more mailbag questions about Jared Goff and the quarterback situation. Will the Lions draft one? That is half of every single mailbag I've done this year. People ask those questions, and I get it. I'm certainly on the, you know, let's uh, let's talk about a quarterback, you know, all the time train. But 
I, I do. I can't wait for free agency to to uh, get here, maybe a little closer to draft season, so we can dive uh, closer into to some of those those prospects that the Lions will be looking at. Well, Dave, I, I want you. I hope I'm not talking out of school here, but the last time we saw each other was, and I think all three of us saw each other was at a going away party for several of our colleagues, including our former editor. Peter Batia, who we need to mention now because we're no longer going to mention him at the end of this podcast. Um, that would be the, uh, the, the great Anjanette Delgado. I, I think that's where we're going to ship the great to, <laughs> the modifier, if that's, if that's okay, Dave. Anyway, we, you were telling me when we ran into each other at that, at that gathering, and um, again, I don't want to get out of, go out of, you know, turn here, get out, you know, what, what's the word here I'm looking for, Dave? I don't want to give away any of your secrets, but... Let's just say you were talking about golf and kind of looking at some of the numbers and as good as he's been and sort of the mainstream numbers, there's this idea that um, the, the, the playmake ability, the playmake numbers, are you going to make a play when everything is kind of chaotic and collapsing, that those aren't quite still there? And um, is that the difference? I, obviously, I mean, we're not going to compare him to Mahomes necessarily, but is that the difference between the where he's at and the and the 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 next the level above him, the quarterbacks. We always do get into the uh, quarterback discussion here in the podcast too. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Sean, you know, look, Sean is right. What we were talking about at that point was PFF had sort of put out its its rankings, or you know, was maybe evaluating some of the the quarterback play, and that's exactly what they said about Goff was, um, you know, his his numbers. I don't think anyone can deny, you know, he took a step forward as a player this past year. Uh, you know, his numbers were significantly better. He scaled back on the interceptions, threw more touchdowns, threw more yards. Um, you know, he finished the season with 324 straight, you know, attempts without a, an interception. Uh, and the Lions won a, a lot more games. But, yes, that's where he lacked that. There were still um, – he still had more turnover-worthy plays than maybe what showed up in the statistics, and he didn't make enough difference-making passes uh, down the field, some of those big plays. And so I, I do think that's sort of where – and look, people see that or they realize, right, that the top of the NFL is Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen. And, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts is, is getting in that conversation, right? Justin Herbert, there's a few others. Um, and so I guess that's sort of the debate, right? If you don't have that guy, like, do you need to get that guy? How badly do you need to try for that guy? Do you pay golf $40 million a year or whatever it's going to cost to extend him $45 million? Um, You know, if he's not in that category or, or is it better to especially when you have a top six pick to roll the dice on a young quarterback where, you know, you have the benefits of having that guy on a rookie contract, even if you, um, you know, maybe take a step back at, at quarterback play for, for a season. So I think that's the, um, and when the lions have a top six pick, it's easy to, you know, sort of wonder like, Hey man, maybe we could get a Will Levis and let him sit for a year. And he's got all this talent and, uh, you know, see how he develops and, and we'd be okay because we'd still have all this money we can spend, you know, on, on these other positions and, and build up our defense. And so that's the debate that a lot of, a lot of fans are having or that I see on an email and the questions that I get from people. Well, the question is really like, um, I, I think you gotta, gotta say that Brad Holmes has built up enough equity and trust in the fan base. Right. And that he's made some pretty good picks. Uh, especially in the first round, you know, yes, he's had high, high draft picks, but they've, they've worked out. So the question is if they, I mean, what do they have the sixth pick and they got the 18th pick in the first round? If he picks a quarterback with either of those picks, 
I mean, in a way, I mean, I, I'd love to see it in a, from a test tube case of what's going to happen here. What, who is it, you know, how is it going to work out? But no matter who it is, you know, if he does take a quarterback, I mean, so far it's worked out. If this is where we get to see and judge his ability um, to identify a potentially great player and the, the heir to Goff. And like you said, whether it's Levis or whoever, you know, if they sit for a year, I think everybody's happy with that scenario of this is a chance. But but if it's not if it's not CJ Stroud, right, nobody's going to be happy right now. He's the guy that everybody thinks is going to be the first quarterback taken. Right. So if it's not him and I know you're, you're yeah. shaking your head, you're not happy with that. But he's, no, I don't he think people here would be happy with him. I don't think people here would be happy with CJ Stroud because of the whole Ohio State connection, just knowing how poorly a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks have played. Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's been terrible. I do think LSU. I do think most people I, I think Bryce Young will end up being the first quarterback taken. And I do think he'll end up being the best quarterback in this draft because he's safe. He, you know, checks a lot. Of, look, he's not the biggest. I understand, you know, some of the the knocks on him. He doesn't have maybe the athleticism of a, of a Levis or Stroud even, but um, I, I think he's a really good player. And I think he would be, you know, probably the, the number one quarterback. Levis is the one that's, he's going to have a, there's gonna be a lot of different, um, you know, feelings on him just because, you know, he was injured this year and, you know, he's maybe a little more erratic than, than some of the you know, he's a little more development ahead, I guess, than than Young and Stroud, right? He's a little more of an unknown, um, not as much as an Anthony Richardson, but um, you know, certainly if you're you know spending that that high of a pick, um, you know, you you maybe want a little more of a polished product, right? So he could he could benefit from sitting out that that year. So I don't know that any of those quarterbacks makes anyone completely happy. Um, and especially, you know, I, I know there's a lot of Lions fans out there that say no quarterback, right? We're, you know, we, a lot of people right now are really down with Jared Goff, happy with Jared Goff that is right down with right the quarterback. Yeah. And so they want the Lions to spend six and 18 on defense, 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 and build up that, that defense with these young players. And I think that's, you know, probably the, the most likely route, right? Like I, I don't expect to, to mock a quarterback to the Lions at six this year. Um, but, you know, there's also some, it's also more complicated than that because again, you know, you're going to have to pay Jared Goff 40 or $45 million here within the next, let's just call it 15 months. Um, you know, if you want to keep him or if you think he's the guy and, you know, you're eventually I'm on Ross St. Brown's coming due for a contract and, you know, maybe Jonah Jackson and Panay Sewell. And, you know, you got all these guys that you're going to have to take care of. So that's where, again, that whole rookie quarterback money uh, comes into play. You know, there there are a couple of uh, not necessarily competing ideas, but there, there there's some there's some important context here, um, and we've talked about one of them, uh, and that is uh, first of all, you, you're right about Jalen Hurts. I mean, maybe he takes the final step into the elite league quarterbacks, but the Philadelphia's rosters is as complete as any in the leagues. Loaded. The, que- the, the, the question is if. If Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt, are they in the Super Bowl? I don't know if they are or not, but let's just say for argument's sake they are. They also have a very complete roster and, and the best defense in the league yep. and would have had a very, very good chance, obviously, of beating Kansas City. And if that were to have happened, and I think we could say that was a, a real possibility if, he, if he's not hurt, then you're looking at that thinking, okay, you can still win a Super Bowl by building the roster around and have a good quarterback and not an elite quarterback, right? 
And it reminds me of a uh, the documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen this about the Baltimore Ravens, the thirty oh, for thirty. Yep, I saw them and Trent Dilfer's in there, who famously took over for Tony Banks, and kind of, I guess, brought leadership, whatever. And and so, you know, there's a panel in the documentary where a lot of the players, Ray Lewis and so on and so forth, are kind of reminiscing. And Dilfer's talking about what he tried to bring. He obviously didn't bring a lot of playmaking. Well, that defense was great, but it was in a different era. And I, can you? You, I mean, as good as San Francisco's defense is, I was thinking about this when I saw the documentary, they're not shutting teams down like the Ravens were because the offenses are just too good. Yeah. You know, and then Dilfer's talking about, um, uh, you know, he's not impressed by Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in a way and the numbers they're putting up because of the, yeah. the, the way defenses are this year. So, you know, it's almost kind of competing. I, I want to get both your thoughts on on that and, and what that may mean for the Lions. But but we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. So as I was kind of leading up there, you know, just the, just the idea, and can you win in this day and age with a, not necessarily Trent Dilfer, because I think Brock Purdy is obviously a, a better playmaking quarterback than Dilfer ever was, but but um, I'm, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, what Dilfer had to say and just the idea of the the, the model of the 49ers. Well, I think it's um, – look, as I look at the NFL right now, I think the AFC and the NFC teams are constructed different ways, and maybe it's just, you know, where they're at in their building process. Maybe it's how you have to win in those conferences right now. Right, the AFC, you have Mahomes and Joe Burrow, who's going to get paid this offseason probably, and – and, you know, Josh Allen, we've talked about that before, right? You have all these great quarterbacks in, in the AFC. And so I think you do sort of need to be a quarterback dominant team to to run that gauntlet and, and survive in the AFC, right? Like, I don't, I don't know that you beat Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes in back-to-back weeks unless you have a Josh Allen or maybe a Justin Herbert or somebody of that, that ilk, right? In the NFC, the, there aren't those elite future hall of fame type quarterbacks. So you, you can win with a more complete roster, right? And, and that's what the Eagles have. And that's what the 49ers have really. I mean, they have a really good defense. They've got McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, you know, they've, they've got a pretty good offensive line themselves, Trent Williams, right? Maybe the, the best, the best tackle playing. So I think both those teams have done it that team building way, but um, in, in, you know, in Philly's case, obviously with the second round pick and, and Jalen hurts, you know, they sort of have fell into to that, you know, having that rookie quarterback model too. But the 49ers, of course, tried to trade for or trade up for for Trey Lance and find their elite quarterback a couple of years ago because they they know that is the most sustainable way to winning because um, eventually you're going to have to pay all these really good players. And that's just a tough thing to do. And I, I forget what NFL GM said at this offseason, but there was a question they were asked about. Uh, you know, somebody on their roster that was making a lot of money this offseason and the potential of a cap casualty. And he said, you know what, I'd rather have really good players on my roster uh, that cost a lot of money than a whole lot of cap space. And and so I, I do think that's how you have to approach it, right? You can't always worry about the future and worry about paying these guys who, who you know, when injuries or other factors may may come into the mix and, and whether they actually get those contracts or not. Um, but uh, you, you have to, you know, be realistic about it too, that Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, he's an extreme bargain right now as one of the best receivers in the NFL on a fourth round pick. Well, give him another year. And all of a sudden he's going to be making $25 million a year. Like that's the type of contract that he's in line for next off season. And so that eats into that cap is even as, 
is uh, the cap will be rising. And, and uh, you know, if you're going to pay a Jonah Jackson, a third round pick to, to keep this offensive line together, you're going to, you're going to have to pay him, you know, top of the market guard type money to, to do it. And, and so I think there's, you know, there are a lot of things that as the lions look at the state of this roster and the future of this roster and, and what they need to do to keep it together, you know, you're going to have to continue drafting strong. Uh, you're going to have to continue making smart trades where you, you add to your, your draft capital. Um, so you can swing and miss on, on some guys too. Um, especially if you don't have a quarterback that's, that's making, uh, you know, uh, less than, than what market wage would be on a rookie contract, or even in Jared Goff's case right now, you know, Goff's cap number this year was $30 million. It's going to be the same in 2023. Um, you know, that was, it's in line right now, but it's not the same type of money that, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and some of these other elite quarterbacks are making. So you do have a little more leeway, a little more wiggle room to, to, uh, you know, mess around with the rest of your roster. Uh, what was the question? I, I, I kind of got <laughs> the dissertation kind of throw. So Dave's basically, you can have a rookie quarterback and elite quarterback. You can go less need and, F, you know, fudge them picks. And you, I'd rather have uh, great players and not great and more than cap space. There's no, there's no secret. There's no, there's no perfect way to construct a team. Right. I mean, every team is different. Um, there's no, I mean, I think, you know, Dave, Dave would marry Patrick Mahomes. I think he's engaged though. But so, so his, his lens is a little bit different on how great quarterbacks, you know, uh, are you dismissing the, uh, are you dismissing Patrick Mahomes, Carlson? By the way, the question oh, is, I, I you... hope so much that Jalen hurts that, that the Eagles win, even if the Eagles win and Mahomes throws five picks, it's going to be like, well, the Eagles have just had a great defense from Dave Burkett and Patrick Mahomes. We still know. Remember that interception when he was, or that incompletion when he was falling, what a the greatest incompletion of all time in NFL history. I mean, it's just, he's just, there's something to be said for the quarterback play. And Sean, we talked about this before. It would have been great if Brock Purdy had taken the 49ers and, and they won the Super Bowl because then it would destabilize that whole, the Dave Burkettisms of the, the Dave Burkettes of the world and that you don't have to have an elite quarterback. But that's the That's way, the question, right? Can't That's right. that's the question, by the way. Can, can well, you... Can you still win that way, like the way Dilfer won with the Ravens? Because well, the league, the league's so different. Well, you Dilfer's can win that way, right but now, I don't so know how can. long you can sustain it. Just like the Ravens only won one Super Bowl with that group, right? And I know again, Jamal Lewis got hurt next year, whatever. But you can't sustain it like you can with an elite quarterback. Well, that's, that's the and, bottom line. After the Bills lost to the Bengals, the Bills GM Brandon Bean complained about it or kind of, you know, sort of explained like, well, the Bengals have two of their star players on rookie contracts, uh, uh, Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow, you know, we've, we had to pay Josh Allen and we had to pay Stefan Diggs and that eats up cap space and capital right to play, to pay other players. He's absolutely right. But I, I we have to remember something this about the Lions. We're not talking about Super Bowls with the Lions here. Let's just have them get to the playoffs. Let's just make sure right now, Use that cap space. Get as many good players as you can. I think you, and I don't know if you were, you said something about the future or whatever, and you're quoting George Allen still in his features now, whatever it was. But but that's, right now, the Lions need to capitalize. And I've written this about the window is short right now. You still have Ben Johnson. Do as much as you can this season coming up. You know, pay some guys. Win right now. And then when Jared Goff gets to a contract year, either this next year or the year after, whatever, let him go in free agency, draft a quarterback. Then you start thinking about the future, but you got to walk before you can run. 
So I wouldn't worry too much about dynasty building for the Lions right now. I just worry about what's going to get you to the playoffs and maybe how to yeah. win a game or two. You're right. I Getting to the playoffs served Jim Caldwell well. That was that was good. You know, he got to the playoffs that first year. It was it, by year four, no one wanted to hear it anymore. No one cared about it. You you have to have the eye on the big picture. Uh, you got to tr- try to win this thing, the whole thing, not in one year, but you have to have the eye on building something sustainable. That was I, different. That I, was a different, completely different era and time and circumstance with Stafford and Calvin. And did he still have suit? Eight still years had suit. ago was a different era. Yeah. For the Lions, I mean, a context for where they were in their team building, you know, mode right now, they're at the beginning. Yeah, of if that. the Lions would have had foresight at the time and not extended in Dominican Sue or not done all those contract restructures so then they could franchise him, then they would have had control over him. Just Look, like they had control over Matthew. He Stafford. wasn't going to be franchised. He was going to, he was already jumping. He has no control with. over whether he's franchised or not. That's the team. One second, one second. I have a question. And my question is, and by the way, I didn't mean to interrupt because I love it. it I didn't want to stop a delicious, tasty fight that was about to start <laughs> between you two. But my, my, my question is, so we're talking about the Ravens. Let's let's keep talking about the Ravens, but not the, the Tony Saragusa Ravens, but the uh, the uh, Ravens of Mr. Harbaugh, who coached against the other Mr. Harbaugh in the Super Bowl. That wasn't that long ago either. And Joe Fico, if I'm not remember, won that Super Bowl. So was that a different era, Dave and Carlos? Or is eight years, whatever it is, nine years, is, it, is enough changed oh. even since then? Look, you, you can win building that complete team Because they've done it twice, right? They've they done do it, it twice. Yeah. But you just, it's not, like, why has, Carlos made that point, right? Like, uh, you know, Brandon Bean and the Bills were kind of, like, taking a shot while the Bengals can do this because they have these young guys, and you know, Burrow's on a rookie contract and they haven't had to pay Jamar Chase yet and look what we had to do. Uh, 100% true. When you have, like, that is... When you have that young quarterback, there's so much value in that. But you know why Kansas City has been in what five, you know, straight AFC championship games and in a couple of Super Bowls now because of Patrick Mahomes. Carlos may not like me championing Patrick Mahomes all the time, but he's going to win his second MVP award. He's the best quarterback in football right now. When you have that, you're always a contender. And the Cincinnati Bengals, no matter how much they have to pay Burrow and what that does to the rest of their roster, they will be a contender with Joe Burrow at quarterback and the uh, Buffalo Bills will be a contender with Josh Allen as long as he stays healthy because those guys are elite. And if you don't have that elite quarterback, it just takes, it's a lot more land that you have to farm to be successful rather than having this one big prize cow that you can go sell at the state fair and, you know, pay for your, your, uh, uh, the you know, state your, fair. Your that's, that's really nice. I want to defend Carl's here for the second. So it's just Mahomes. Kansas City also has a really good general manager, uh, Mr. Is it Veach? Breach, Veach? Uh, Brett Veach. And they got a great defensive lineman in Chris Jones. So it's yeah, not it's just pronounced Andy Reid, by the way. But yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> but but, but Reid gets all the pub, right? Just like, you know, Reid gets all the pub, Mahomes gets all the pub. But that GM has completely remade that roster from the first, uh, just about. They've got six or seven guys from that first NFC title game. I wrote about this last week, actually. That's the key. To me, the, the key above all else is the general manager. I don't care how good Mahomes is. Aaron Rodgers is as good a quarterback as there's ever been, and he's been to one Super Bowl. I'm not saying that Green Bay's had a bad general manager or whatever. They've had plenty of good competitive teams, mostly probably because of Rodgers. But if you don't have an ability to spot talent, which is what Kansas City's done. They had four rookies, five rookies, four rookies, I think, making plays this year. Um, one of them made a game-sealing uh, interception against Jacksonville when Trevor Lawrence, another one of your young Hall of Fame future types, right, was making a comeback in the divisional round. So 
So to me, that's what we're really talking about. As much as Carlos wants to talk about uh, Mr. Johnson and how he's the most important cog, and we can all say Dan Campbell's super important, he is. It's really about Brad Holmes, right? Because none of this is possible if you don't have a general manager that can figure this out and find talent in ways and later rounds, et cetera, et cetera, because nobody sustains it unless you can do that. It's all about Brad Holmes because you just wrote a column about the general manager's important. It's all about no, Brad Holmes. No, if, but if, if Veach doesn't get the guys he did a year ago, Kansas City's not in the title game or the Super Bowl right now. I mean, that, yeah. that's the that's the most important thing. And and we don't talk about that enough, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, well, the, the Chiefs traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. That was Andy Reid. That was Andy Reid, offensive genius, knowing this is the guy I need. And he was smart enough. But a lot of other, I, not a lot, but I think other teams wanted to trade up to get him too. They were interested. But, but Andy Reid pulled the trigger on that. He knew what, was he, what he was looking at. And if you look at the you look at the Chiefs, the problem with the Chiefs, and this is why I really hope that they lose this year, is because they've never had a top 10 defense, right? In like overall in, in yards under Patrick Mahomes. So as great as he is, yes, he's, he's done enough. If you want to talk about dynasties and Super Bowls and all this stuff, he has in – several ways carried that team he is the by far most important cog he's a great player when Dave Burkett gives the hall of fame uh, induction speech and when he's in the fo- pro football hall, hall of fame uh, or pro football writers uh, meeting he's gonna somehow strangely be the guy advocating for homes five years after he retires but <laughs> even though he didn't work in Kansas City but that's the thing is you you need you still need some it, it's still a complimentary game you still need you don't need a top two, three, four, five defense probably, but you need something close to a top 10, a top third a quality defense to help you because the quarterback just can't do it alone. The offense just can't do it alone. It's so rare to have to rely on one side of the ball, let alone one player. Um, so that's where I don't know about your 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 amazing uh, GM with the Chiefs, but you know if, if it's going to be, if the, if the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, the narrative is going to quickly switch to, are we wasting? Are the Chiefs wasting Patrick Mahomes's prime? Like he's going to have been in three Super Bowls, but just have won once. You know, like he's too good. Of a, they'll be saying he's too good of a player, and especially losing to, you know, I mean, the Eagles will have won two Super Bowls in whatever it is, four or five years with two different head coaches, two different quarterbacks. You know, Howie Roseman, that's a better example, probably the general manager. In no, he's a great example, too. He's I wrote about him, too. Thank guy. you. Yeah, no, he was the other guy I mentioned, but thank so you. You can go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and. You know, steal my comment and put it in your column. No, no, I already did last week. I spent just as much time on uh, on uh, him. So Rosen, no, because yeah. what he's done, roster building. Isn't that the point, Dave? I mean, you're right. You got to have an elite quarterback to make a long, deep run, and obviously a coach helps a lot. Although in Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers showed that the the, the coach is maybe a little bit less important than obviously the franchise quarterback. But to me, if you don't have somebody filling out that roster, right? You you mentioned Chris Jones. He's the he's probably the biggest reason they're in the title game. He's the he's the reason Cincinnati couldn't score. Right? Joe Burrow got the ball back with two minutes, uh, at least one timeout, maybe two timeouts in a tie game, and Chris Jones made sure they did they didn't do anything. Look, I, I think you know we've said this before. Um, there's you know a hundred different ways to win in the NFL, so you don't have to follow one blueprint, right? It, it could be based on you know, having that elite quarterback, it could be based on, you know, having the young quarterback and, you know, the elite roster, it could be having a great, great defense like the Ravens did back, back in the day. Um, there, there, there are many ways to, to, to win. And if you have a really good GM and a really good coach and a really good quarterback, you know, those, those things all seem to, 
to go together. And the more you have of, 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 um, you know, the more, the more boxes you check when it comes to having really good people at whatever the position, the more likely you are to, to win. And I think, um, that's the case with both these teams, both the chiefs and the Eagles. And look, every single year, you know, I'm guilty of this too. Every single year we look at the Super Bowl teams and you say, what can this mean for the Lions, right? The Bengals last year went from, uh, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL to, to one of the best and they went to the Super Bowl. And oh man, can the, can the, can the Lions, you know, uh, use this as their blueprint for success? And now it's the, the Eagles and look what they did with all their extra draft picks and, you know, sort of building up the roster when they didn't have an elite quarterback and then building, you know, around one who may be turning into one. So I, I think we do this with every every team, every Super Bowl. But the reality is, you can win a hundred different ways in the NFL. You just have to have good people at a whole bunch of different spots, whichever way you choose. And if you do that, you can have some success. Well, and, and, you know, <clears throat> this is a trigger warning. Trigger warning for all the listeners. But Matthew Stafford, right? Like, is he elite? We, there was a question about him. That's going to be the question that's going to be on his tombstone. You know, it's going to say Matthew Stafford is birth and death dates and then was i elite you know that's what that's what we're gonna have to that's his his legacy well he was he was borderline elite and when they won the super bowl he had a very very good season um he got some luck jacquiski tart drops that the, the easiest pick you'll ever get on the 49ers in their super bowl right last year so but they built that team you know, uh, you know, Les Snead, you know, threw, used a lot of picks, you know, spent a lot of picks to get the team that he needed to because of their window. And Stafford was good enough. I mean, he's, I, I would still say that Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff, you know, um, but they're in the same neighborhood, more or less. And Snead, you know, he built up the defense and, you know, you had, like you said, you know, there's, there's not just one way. I don't think you have to have Patrick Mahomes. You don't have to have Joe Burrow. You don't have to have Josh Allen. You can have some a pretty good quarterback, you know, a borderline elite guy like a Goff, like a Stafford, to probably, if you have enough help, to to do something in the playoffs, to possibly get to the Super Bowl, possibly win it. You know, and by the way, Stafford, I think he should have been the Super Bowl MVP. It was Cooper Cup, but he had a he played really well in that game and played well enough, really, really great during the season at points. Um, to get them there. And I think that's, that's okay. You know, you don't, I mean, I mean, having to get this, like, that's where I like the Eagles is because you don't, I I would like to dispel this notion that you have to have this generational quarterback. Like if you don't get the guy who's going to be your quarterback for the next 10, 12 years, forget it. You know, I mean, the Eagles won with Nick Foles, you know, he was a backup. I mean, they still got it done. And then they did. Jalen Hurts is in a different category. The Eagles what? got it done with him because they played against Matt Patricia. No, I just want to say that. <laughs> no, 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 Nick. But that that Philly roster was really good too. And by the way, so to your point earlier, Carlos, about you, you know, you got to walk where you run. Um, and let me just sidestep here for two seconds. The, the the Giants won two Super Bowls again. The first one, not the '90s Super Bowl, not not the '90s Super. I'm talking about the the, the more recent Giants Super Bowl wins. Yeah. The first one was kind of a different era. It was 2007 or whatever it was when they beat the undefeated Patriots. That was defensive line oriented. And the second time they did it was more or less defensive line oriented, right? They they put right. pressure on Brady, just like Chris Jones put pressure on Burrow, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. That part has not changed in football for 50 years. So that part's the same. 
But this idea of a generational talent, I understand what you're saying, Dave. And but Eli's I, in that boat too. Not the greatest. No, right. Ever. But 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 it had an ability to make a couple throws at the end of the game. To your point about Stafford, who made a, an incredible throw against Tampa Bay and Brady last year in the divisional round to cup to set up the winning field goal. You know, can golf do that? I don't know. But your points about the generational talent, I get it, Dave. If you want to be the Patriots or the Packers, although they want enough Super Bowls, or, or the Chiefs right now, I guess that's a better example. Fine, that's that's two teams in thirty years. If 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 you're shooting for that, for the Lions fans that won one game in almost sixty years, one playoff game, they just would love one Super Bowl run, right? So, however you can get it done, and golf is absolutely good enough to make a Super Bowl run, mostly because he's already done it. I mean, so what what's the goal, Dave? Is the goal five straight uh, NFC title games, or is it a, a, a run, a Super Bowl run that will lift up this? area and people will remember the rest of their lives right i mean that's i mean obviously you know uh you want to make a super bowl and no one is turning that down but i just the point is like no one's going to be happy with just one if you if you win one you're thrilled in that moment but it's like you know nick saban right when he wins the championship or he starts what does he say like he's back to work the next day right like he i mean that's that's what is driving all of these people and and well, Howie Roseman got fired and then he came back basically and, and, and rebuilt the Eagles again. So it's never <laughs> like that little taste of success is never enough. Like you want that Tom Brady, two decades of sustainable winning in New England. And you want what the Kansas City Chiefs have right now. And shoot, you can make fun of, you know, the the Packers for winning one Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers. Okay, that's your one. But guess what? For three decades, they've been the best team in the NFC North or Central, whatever it was before. And, and really one of the best teams in the NFC because they had Brett Favre and then they had Aaron Rodgers. So if you want to be that elite team that, you know, everyone else looks up to and is chasing all the time and, and trying to catch and trying to, to, to become really, then you absolutely need that elite quarterback to be that. And again, if you win Super Bowls without it, you know, you can win multiple Super Bowls without it, but you're, if you're trying to build a sustainable long-term winner, ultimately you're still going to be searching for that quarterback. If you don't have one, the Rogers thing is an interesting uh, uh, citation because that's the reason that they've only won one is they never had a great defense, you know, under during a Rogers time, you know, so that's what's held them back. If they'd had a better, if they'd had better defense, he probably would have won more. I mean, almost certainly would have won more Super Bowls, you know, but I do think that that's a good, that's a good place for the Lions to sort of hope is, you know, even winning a Super Bowl would be amazing, but just to be in that category of always challenging for the division title either winning it or being close to it but not these i mean the constant you know they get close they finish second and then it's like two three years in the basement and then they get to second again and then the division and then another year in the basement and they crawl up to third because the bears suck and this and that you know it's just this yo-yo thing that they just can never they're always either just treading water or maybe getting a little bit of some momentum and then they you know, sink back down and bob back up. And, you know, it's just, it's just exhausting to see them go through this. Um, so just some sustained success, you know, challenging for the division title, being in the playoffs somewhat regularly, you know, and I think, I think, you know, Hey man, you look at this team and hopefully you learn from the past and Sheila, 
you know, uh, Fort Hamp learns from the past and none, I mean, the whole nine and seven isn't good enough. That was just smokescreen. Bob Quinn just wanted to hire his buddy, Matt Patricia. That's, he was going to use any excuse he could. You know, I think that was just overblown. That but was his smokescreen, but it's again. 100% right. Nine and seven is not good enough. It's not good enough. If you're, if you're constantly challenging and, and you're, you've, you've met the standard and you're always winning and like you're going to nine and seven, but you know, that's as good as they could do at the time. No. Do you want them to be better? Of course, but they weren't. They had no right to expect to be winning 12, 13, 14 games. No, not, not with their history. And look, let's wrap this section up with, with this. So you're both right. Sustained success is obviously the, the ultimate model, or excuse me, the ultimate goal. But in this market, to me, it would be uh, akin to when the the Red Sox finally won the World Series, and you had half of Boston walking around saying, "I'm ready to die now." I just think that <laughs> I, I just think that that's what would happen here. And yes, eventually, maybe the next year, you know, they'd be bummed if they didn't get back. But the, but the glow of that will last a little bit longer. It's a little bit unique. I understand long term success absolutely, but it's it's a little bit different here. It's a unique market in a lot of ways. And if they go on a Super Bowl run. The, well, the earth will implode, first of all, but uh, it'll, it'll just be different. But look, Dave, let's talk and Carlos about, you know, what you actually think the Lions are going to do instead of what we want them to do or what fans want them to do. Starting this draft and the, and the rebuilding process from now till next September to, to try to take these next steps. But let's take another quick break. One last quick break uh, and pay some more bills. And we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, do you like the acoustics today? Uh, does it sound like I'm in a recording studio? It does. It sounds like a very professional setup. As we know, you spend a lot of time to get here early in the podcast and make, make sure all the audio and video is right. So I appreciate it, Sean. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I even turned off the fan, which was going to keep me either warm or cool in this little studio that I have. So we wouldn't hear the fan, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm suffering here a little bit for you, Carlos. I want you to know that. And for Robin and for Andrew. And for Anjanette. Who's Anjanette? Who's Anjanette? <gasps> oh, oh, Anjanette, Anjanette. Dave, oh. Dave met Anjanette recently for the first time. <laughs> it's a true story. It is a true story. She's like, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> the man who writes a, mi- a million stories a month. It's funny how Dave would know every once in a while when in the every seven or eight years when Dave decides to grace us with his presence at a okay. staff meeting, uh, he'll run into somebody I hadn't I have like, how does he know this person? And it's all it traces back to some, I think it was like the state news at Michigan State or something, but it's like, how do you know this person? Um so it's always kind of fun to see the connections, the six degrees of briquette separation is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is. All right. So uh so, hey, before you go, go, I know we're jumping into sort of a different topic here, but I just need to make one point, Sean, because right before the break, you were talking about, you know, the Red Sox and people dying and right, you know, they're all being happy enough that they they won a Super, oh, Super Bowl, World Series, that all those fans could die now. And I, I think you're 100% right. That's exactly what Lions fans would be like in that moment, because the Red Sox are on their fifth different manager since Terry Francona won that World, World Series. And that's exactly what would happen with Detroit and with anywhere you get used to that success and it's never enough unless you can sustain it. So uh, it would be like that in the moment. And then the next year they'd be like, why can't we do this again? What's going wrong? Maybe we need to make this change. Do we need a new quarterback? Do we need a new coach? (laughs) Our GM isn't doing his job anymore, even though he's picking 32nd instead of picking third. So all those things. (laughs) 
No, there's there's no question that's all true. But uh, like a lot of older folks in that area and uh, in Boston, they still carry that. I mean, you know, when you have that kind of a drought and their their drought is you know what thirty forty years longer than uh, than the Lions' drought, you know. So it's just the, just the psychology of that. I mean, I, it would be really fun if the three of us could uh, not just the three of us, but everybody. But it would be it would be enjoyable to be able to cover something like that. And just see the reaction, right? I mean, not not from the team. I mean, the team would go crazy, but just the region that that would be. Yeah. Um, it better that would be really, more than three of us because that'd be a lot of work to do. So. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Can you imagine? Well, I've, already, I've I've already told our sports editor and executive producer of this podcast, Kirk and Cropper, that they will be embedded with Ron Crackiola, Crack Man. If you have, you know, like as soon as I mean, he's not going to go to the game. He's just going to sit with Crack at. Well, Crack will be at the game, I'm sure, but you know, right next to him in the in the stadium. So we would send our whole staff, wouldn't we? Basically, I mean, I was thinking about that. <laughs> right. Listening to some of the Super Bowl media night interviews uh, the other day, like you know, there's there's let's call it 10 players on risers or 15 on risers spread throughout the thing. And every other player for both teams is, you know, there's 10 per team. Let's, let's call it every other player is spread throughout the, the, the media night, you know, extravaganza. And you could spend an hour at each player that's on the, the riser and, you know, just to write a really good story off what they're doing. And then you still have, you know, 40 other players that are out and about in the, the general population. So you basically need to put one one reporter at every podium <laughs> and then have, you know, a few others floating around. And that doesn't even count the coaches and, you know, all the assistants. And so, you know, there's just there is so much content that could be had if your team is in the, the Super Bowl. And really what, what's what's the over under Carlos and how many staff we would send, not including photographers, because we'd send a bunch of those too. Uh it'd be four people. It'd be you, Jeff Seidel, Mitch Album, and Dave Burkett. And you know, we're talking about how this would kill the fans. Dave would do all the work. I mean, you'd write one story, one, maybe two stories that week. I mean, it would the, no, the I'd write. I'd write. Away. I'd write twice a day, like I always do at big events like that. You might write once a week, I, but again, projection is an interesting quality. We'll, 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 but we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna figure that out with you some other time and get you on the couch. No, no, no I would bet. Uh, it'd be serious and over under. We'd probably send ten. We'd send about. I'd 10 say over. People. Yeah. I'd take over. I'd go over. Would you go over for that? Yeah, you, you might be right. You, you might be right. God. The fact is, and this is going to lead us into this last subject here, again, with the lines, though. If we have more than 10, that is. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. Way to stick the knife in. The fact that we're having this conversation, I know we're joking around and having fun, but the fact that it's not ridiculous, that feels new, right? I mean, I don't ever remember us even joking around Who about it. Who says it's not ridiculous? You think it's, it's realistic they're going to win, go to the Super Bowl next year? No, not next year. year. I'm just saying for the first time since I've been around, since the early 90s, really, when they got to the NFC title game, it doesn't feel crazy to think that there's a possibility they could make a run in the next couple of years or two, three years, whatever. Uh, I don't when know. they had Calvin and Stafford and Sue, they, people thought they could make a run. No, for sure. Well, y- yes, yes. They, they should have beat the Cowboys that year. And what, they should have, but they weren't They weren't good enough that year to compete with anybody. I don't remember having that sense. Do you, Dave, about that team that they were good enough to, to knock off anybody? By the end of this year, you're like, God, they can play with anybody. They I, did play, I do they, think in, in 2014, just because that defense was so good that, the star that there power, were a lot yeah. of people that thought they could. Um, you know, when I, I don't remember ever thinking, you know, that they were a Super Bowl contender, but I, I do think people thought they could win a game in the playoffs or two. Right. 
Um, they were they were just so good to start that season. Couldn't get past Green Bay. Um, but yeah, no, it's this is a and you know I said this before too. I think uh, 2012 there was a lot of optimism going into 2012 too because that was coming off the the first playoff year and you know 12 seasons or whatever it was and Stafford right. was young and Calvin Sue was you know young. He was in his third season. Calvin was in the prime of his career. You know, they had just come off that really big 2011 season. Stafford was like going into year four and then they imploded that next year when they just didn't do anything in the off season and finished four and 12 and lost like eight straight to end the year. But there was a lot of optimism. People forget that yeah. because it was such a bad year. There's a lot of optimism going into 2012 as well. I, 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 real quickly, Carlos, just, and uh, I'm curious what you think about this too. I think the, the one difference and it's a little bit subtle, but not completely subtle is that that was based on star power to some degree on the field what people are feeling right now is mostly based on Campbell and Holmes and, and, um, and obviously, and obviously and Johnson, right. And some of the young talent, but I think that's maybe the difference. And that feels a touch more sustainable, whether it turns out to be true, who knows, but um, in any case, I'm curious what you think. Uh, I, I think that this, you know, there's always a recency bias and you have to give the Lions full credit for what they did, you know, they won eight of the last 10. Great. And that's, that's always going to make everybody feel good. And, and as I mentioned, someone on this podcast was kind of low key, uh, griping that Campbell was not a finalist for a coach of the year. Well, when you're almost, when you're asking questions about who can fire who during the season, you know, when they're one and six, uh, I don't probably shouldn't be coach of the year or even in the running for it or consideration, no matter who's griping, who griping about that. Who's griping? Someone about whose name rhymes with Dave Burkett was kind of low key you know, <laughs> griping about it when he wrote about he's, it. He, he's shaking his head, by the way, listener. For you know, I, you know. look, I thought Dan Campbell, he was deserving of coach of the year consideration. I don't think he should have won it because, yeah, I do think Brian Dable getting that team to the playoffs and obviously the the job, um, you know, that, that the, uh, well, shoot both these Super Bowl teams. I, I mean, the Eagles, you know, I don't know that anyone, people thought they'd be good, but I don't know that anyone thought they would be this good. And the Chiefs, that you forget a lot of people were down on them. So I, I you know, and I think Andy Reid has done a great job with, you know, the, the new cast of characters that, that he's had on, on offense. But I do think Dan Campbell is deserving of consideration, should at least be in the conversation. Why? Why? He almost, you were, t- you were asking Brad Holmes if he could fire Dan Campbell. During midway through the season, why does he deserve consideration? Didn't get to the playoffs. I asked Brad Holmes if he had the power to make a move like that, trying to find out what the power structure was within the Lions organization because the Lions had never been clear about that. Uh huh. Let's just make sure the the uh, the, the listeners understand. Just that. Be, so your your but, kid makes a big mess in the house and then he cleans it up at the last second, so he gets kid of the year. But he didn't. Uh, uh, didn't get straight A's or anything like that, but he just, he, he cleaned up his mess and made it look okay. I'll tell you part of the reason why, because digging out of one and six is a, is a damn tough hole to dig out of. And Dan Campbell deserves a lot of credit and his staff uh, for making sure that this team, you know, came out of that. And like Sean said, they were playing as well as uh, just about every team in the NFL at the end of the season. And yeah, they didn't make the playoffs, but you know what? They won nine games. That's a, a mark that very few people, thought they would make this or reach this year. Uh, maybe I picked them to win nines, but you know, very few people who aren't as smart as me thought they would. You, you and I both picked them to win yeah. nine and we got mocked on this very podcast before right. the season started. So, but the, the point being, rightfully like, so it was a very, really? they were, okay. 
there's been one team that started one and six in NFL history that's gone on to make the playoffs. And the Lions won nine games. They won eight of their final 10 after doing that. And yeah, I think Dan Campbell deserves a lot of credit for what went on uh, for picking this team up, uh, making sure that they did not, you know, hang their head and they stayed competitive and they won some games and then they got on a roll and and they probably outperformed their talent on the, the roster a little bit because they were so young. So yeah, I absolutely think that, no, Dan Campbell probably didn't do the best job of any coach in the NFL. I, I think Brian Dable will win it, and he probably should because I don't think the Giants have that talent out of a roster either. But, yeah, I think it's uh, Dan Campbell deserves to be in the conversation for that. Now, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here because it, it is true. It, but the problem is the, the way the voting works, people don't look at all that nuance, but it is true. He This was the Titanic, and he – steered it away from the iceberg in a very difficult way by firing Audrey Pleasant the year before even that making changes, hiring, giving Ben Johnson the job and, you know, all that stuff. And then coming back from a, from a terrible start, uh, he does get a ton of credit, but realistically he's never going to be considered. If your team doesn't make the playoffs, you're just, you know, fixing a problem and playing well at the end of the season isn't good enough to say, oh, this is the best coach in the NFL. And that's really what the award is. Who is the best coach? And there's a bias because the teams that are really good, the Chiefs and whatever, you know, they're rolling. I mean, and you're just going to get the, you know, the result of the spoils of that, right? All the, all the success, it's a byproduct of that. Well, of course, you must be a great coach because your team's great. Um, right. There's something to that. But, but this brings up a good point, right? Now there's going to be a ton of expectations on this team because of the way they finished, because right now, and I believe it, I do believe it, what Sean said, that, that this team could play with anybody at the end of the year. Totally believe that. Uh, and But but we saw it with the shorts thing, right? When they, they won uh, in 2011, right? When Dave said, everybody's everybody's feeling good. You got a young Stafford, a young Sue, you know, pretty young Calvin still. And they go 10 and six. And this is now... If we'd had a podcast, Sean Windsor would have been saying the winning will be uninterrupted for decades. Nothing will happen. It was the first time they'd won 10 games since 95. It had been like, you know, 15 years or so, 16 years. Everybody thought, this is it. Young coach, Jim Schwartz, you know, economics major at Georgetown. He's great. Uh, Dave's uh, general manager of the decade, Martin Mayhew. He's in (laughs) charge. Tom Lewan's a really smart guy. He'd be the first one to tell you all this stuff. Great. We're on the way. And then face plant four and 12. Okay. It can happen. If it happened, then it can happen now. Of course, There's, there's nothing happen. special about Dan Campbell that makes them, you know, immune from this. They're lucky they have Ben Johnson back, but it's going to be so interesting to see how they respond to now playing with huge expectations because Sean is already booking his ticket for the Super Bowl next year. So we got to, we got to live up to Sean Windsor's expectations. No, I have no, I have no idea what's going to happen next year. I mean, you're right. They could completely uh, face plant. However, I do think Campbell, look, that, that kind of coaching matters. And you keep, and Dave, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with this. Maybe you have some thoughts. It, Carlos has got some idea. This is Ben Johnson and not, ben, and not uh, Dan Campbell. And I've really, I, I, it sort of flabbergasts me. It's, it's that that shows, and I don't think Carl's is this, but it, it shows sort of a lack of understanding of a team sport. I, so, I, I can you help me out here, Dave, at all a little bit with, yeah, with I mean, that part of it? I don't. Why does it have to be one? You know, it, it can be both, right? Like Dan Campbell deserves a lot of credit for where these lions are right now. A lot. Like he's he is the leader of the ship. He has empowered his players. He's empowered his coaches. Right. He put Ben Johnson in 
in, um, you know, his position. I mean, I, I think Ben is executing Dan's vision on offense. Dan is the one who, uh, you know, with a lot of these, these fourth Thank down you. decisions that, um, you know, that that's, that's really important for the, you know, I, I think the, the fortitude of this team to, to, to be able to go for some of those and, and convert some of those and, and what that means. And, but yeah, he didn't even know it was coming because of the wave. No, he, he was joking about that, but yet regardless, like Ben Johnson is a very bright offensive mind and he's done some really good things on offense. And I do think he'll, you know, he'll be a head coach next, when there's nine jobs open instead of the five there were this year, like Ben Johnson is going to get one of those jobs. If the lions are, are, are anywhere close to as good offensively next season as they were this season. So oh, he, Ben Johnson deserves a lot of credit for what's happened on offense. I've of course said he myself, does. I'm, you know, I'm certainly interested to see what becomes of Jared Goff when Ben Johnson is not the coordinator. I think there's um, you know, that's a, a legit question to, to wonder about, but look, Dan Campbell deserves a lot of credit for, for what's going on too. I think those guys both share in, in, in Sean um, to your, point you know the column that you wrote last week like brad holmes deserves a ton of credit too because he's he's put a lot of these people in place that they're they're winning with well and that's going to be the key going forward and i, and I want carlos's thoughts here too <laughs> it's funny you're talking about look obviously ben johnson is super talented but but carlos just sort of told on himself a little bit with that comment about that that uh, campbell jokingly made when he went on the, somebody's podcast about not knowing the play was coming and looking at the way being distracted this is the one one of the things that makes him such a good coach and Carlson, I've actually talked about this before, just the way he handles his pressers, the way he talks to the press, the way he talks about his coaches, right? And the way he elevates him in his language publicly, because I think that matters. You know, forget how he treats us or, or any of that thing, but just the, the, the way he uses those, that's part of coaching too. And, uh, and I, think that's, I think that's really important. But I, of course, Carlos, Ben Johnson is, is really talented, and Dave's point is a really good one about what's going to happen to golf. But, let me get your thought, Carlos, on what they need to do. Because let's bring this back to Brad Holmes for a second. Because if he doesn't keep drafting the way he's drafted the last couple of years, then none of this is going to matter. And 4-12 and 12 is going to be out there fairly quickly. Yeah, he needs to. I mean, he's had, uh, you know, a very good first draft and an excellent, great second draft. Uh, can he sustain that? You know, I mean, that's that's a, that's hard to do. Um, it'd be great if he could, if he, if he does that and gets you know, with almost all of his picks gets contributors, starters, all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's going to be the key. That's going to be the thing that changes this team. Um, but he's done, he's done a good enough job, you know? And, and I think, I mean, to me, Dave, you, you tell me what you think, but I think that general managers, you know, uh, I, I, I think they tend to look at it as look at positions and, and how they draft of what do I need to take care of? And yes, they always have to have an eye on the future for developing guys and all that. But what are my pressing needs right now? What is it? Do, what is it that I absolutely have to address? You know, and I think the way they look at it is this, this position is okay. I don't have to address it, especially with the high pick or whatever. And that's when the whole thing, and I don't want to get back to the quarterbacks, but the golf thing, the, Jared Goff has eased that uh, uh, worry. You know, like you don't have to go get a quarterback coming into this year. There was a big question. You know, they had changed, they had fired their coordinator. You didn't know what you're going to get out of Ben Johnson. What's going to happen? Goff did not look great, you know, playing under Anthony Glenn. He looked a little better toward the end of the season with uh, Campbell and Johnson in charge, but nobody knew. So, but now, and because you have Ben Johnson come back, that offense is not going to, it's going to be the same offense. It's intact. 
you know, probably the guy's only going to get better. JMO is going to be probably might be a really, you know, great player. We'll see. Um, so there's a lot of optimism for the, for the offense. I don't think, I think that's the luxury that Brad Holmes might have is I don't have to worry about that side of the ball a whole lot. I, I can devote a lot of resources to defense and the defense. What did they finish on offense? It was fifth in the NFL and on defense worst in the NFL after second worst last year, you have to, you have to really, you know, free agency and drafts go at the defense hard, you know, just do not just hammer away. You've got to, you've got to shore that side of the team up. That's the thing that's holding this team back. So that's the that's thing, enough. whether it's trading all your picks for, uh, uh, for Jalen Carter, I don't know what it is, but like, just, no, you know, I, I'd say two things. D- on that. D- I, I, Dave, real quick, I want to hear your thought on this so you can say three things, please. Yeah, uh, three, I kind of want to make yeah, this quick four. point. They were historically bad defensively the first half. What were they the last 10 games, last eight games, right? They weren't the worst defense in the NFL. So mediocrely bad. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were more, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were more they were mediocre. 16, baby. So they're building from that as opposed to the one of the worst defenses in the history of the league. All right. What your three things, well, Dave? No, I, that ties into that. I mean, look, I, I think we all know they need a lot of work done defensively, right? Really all three levels. But to say they don't have to do much offensively, I, I think that's a little short-sighted because, you know, it, it doesn't take, you know, look, who knows what's going on at right guard. You know, if they don't resign Jonah Jackson, they're going to need a left guard. Um, you know, running back position like DeAndre Swift centering his last year, Jamal Williams isn't going to score, you know, 16, 17 touchdowns again next year. Like, um, you know, you, you, who knows exactly what you have at tight end. Uh, maybe you do need a number two receiver or number three receiver, another outside receiver if you don't bring DJ Chark back. So I, I do think there are things that as you look to, again, build a sustainable winner here that you have to make some long-term decisions that if the Lions go ahead and draft Bijan Robinson at 18, well, that's going to help them a lot this year, but it's also because they're not going to bring DeAndre Swift back after the 2023 season, and that's one less hole they have to fill after that. So I think there's you know, there's a lot more nuance to it, obviously, than, than than most people realize. And the other thing I wanted to say is, is look, 2012, um, again, it's definitely sort of like this, you know, this, this red flag, like, Hey, lions were in this spot before where everyone thought things were, were hunky dory and headed the right direction. And then they didn't do anything that, that off season. And, and, you know, they, they fell apart. They went four and 12. Well, part of that is because ultimately this league is about the players, you know, and what players you have on your roster and how they develop and how good they are. And you know what happened in 2012, they took Riley reef. I mean, they picked 23rd, so they didn't have the six pick. They took Riley reef who was fine. And he started a bunch of games that year. Um, but, you know, he wasn't Panay Sewell. And then they took Ryan Broyles in round two, who was coming off a torn ACL. And then the guys they had the year before, Titus Young was a second round pick in 2011. And, you know, he had mental issues. And so he he wasn't a, a part of the team, essentially. You know, he 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 didn't become what they thought he was going to become. And Michael Asher had the torn Achilles from the season. So all these young guys that they were counting on weren't available or didn't take the step forward that they needed them to do in 2012. And I think that's the the key difference between where, you know, those lions were then and maybe where these lions are now is that these lions now have, um, look, you know, who knows what JMO becomes and he's coming off an ACL like Ryan Broyles was. And, you know, but there's, there's a lot more pieces that the lions have now, those young pieces that can develop um, and a lot more capital that they have in, in five of the top 81 picks to really bolster their roster. So even if the Lions don't do much in free agency this offseason, um, I, I think you can still expect them to take a step forward because of the young talent they have 
what should happen to those young guys and then the young talent that they'll be adding still. It almost sounds like Dave's already setting up Brad Holmes' excuse when he doesn't do anything at free agency. Oh, I, just, okay. I wrote all that before. I wrote all that before about the 2012 season. You know, so I, I just sort of was top ahead and on what exactly went wrong there. And I think you know, there's a lot that you know the Lions did wrong those years in terms of some of those draft picks. Uh, you know, when they didn't have a lot of cap space and weren't going to spend, and you know, so they didn't, and and so there's. You know, there was a lot going on, right? I mean, we all remember that the salary cap changed at that time and they had the Stafford and Sue and Calvin deals. And so there's there a lot that went on to it, but ultimately it comes down to the players and especially those young players taking that step forward that you hope or anticipate that they will. We saw that this year with the, you know, the young guys that the Lions had that Brad Holmes drafted. We didn't see that a decade ago with with the players that that they had in the the team back then. And Carlos, that was my point earlier on in the podcast. I just I, I think that's the difference. First of all, they weren't as good defensively in eleven or whatever. Is uh, they they were better True. in fourteen, and then yeah. they lost they lost Sue. But I just think that's an interesting. So so Carlos, is it fair to say they don't they shouldn't draft Chase Brown, the Illinois running back? Because Lashur is from Illinois, so maybe they want to stay for, to stay away from that. Is that the, is that the point? Yeah, no more Illinois running backs ever. Um, you know, he's he's ruined it. He's tainted it. <laughs> no, obviously. I mean, I I have said I I love. I think they need to draft a, a running back. You know, that's important because I I don't I don't know I don't I don't know that Jamal Williams is going to come back. I don't think he will. My guess is he won't. That uh, free agency. You know, out in the open market, somebody's going to pay him more than the Lions will offer him, and he'll go with that. Uh, you know, all the smokescreen, all the stuff he's saying. You know, yeah, you can you can still love Detroit, you can love the Lions, but you know, you uh, you vote with your checkbook and your family, and you know that's that's what it comes down to. He has no tie to Detroit per se, other than you know liking where he's been. But but yeah, B. John Johnson's a great. I mean, I think I think running backs are undervalued. I mean, it's just become this popular thing of. You know, oh, they're not as it's it's a passing game now and all that. Well, yeah, look at look at what you know. They're really good teams. Look at what Christian McCaffrey's doing. You know, Joe Mixon for the you know for the Bengals and you know all, you know it matters. Um, and they have a big issue there with Jamal Williams if he leaves and DeAndre Swift has been a disappointment. He just has not done what they hoped he would do. So you've got to. T- I'm not saying you you don't draft anybody on offense. I mean, of course you have to. You know pay attention to both sides of the ball, but you have to emphasize defense. So um, I hope that they, I, I think Brad Holmes is going to do that. He drafted almost all defenses last draft. So, and the defense, even though it didn't, it statistically didn't perform, you know, wasn't up there and they had problems. And some of that was because of Aubrey Pleasant and some problems and uh, whatever. Uh, you could see there was there was hope, you know, the Malcolm Rodriguez and Alex Anzalone played better, the Kirby Joseph, the you know, Chase Lucas. They, there was you could see there was a little bit of a okay, we there's a step. They're not as they didn't look as just horrible as they did the year before. Um, so I think that you just need to bolster that side and and you know give uh give your boy Jared, Jared Goff as, as much help as you can get. I mean, it could go like last year, right, guys? It could be it could be, you know, defense obviously six. Oh yeah, maybe the, maybe the running back you're talk, talking about, David, eighteen, and they go right back to defense. I mean, that's what they did last year, right? Defense, Williams, and then and then defense. Uh, who knows? Uh, anyway, this has uh, been fun as always. Can we can we do a few quick uh, my favorite things before we get out of here? We got to get Dave. My my uh, system here is about out of power, and um, 
you know, Carlos is losing his patience, as he said earlier. <laughs> He's ready to go. Plus, we are poor producers, right? So we'll be we'll be quick with the favorite thing. You want to you want to start, Carlos? Yeah, my favorite thing is is pretty simple. Uh, I was out of town on vacation for a little bit. Got to spend some time with my family in North Carolina, and um, my youngest niece, um, uh, her name is Kika, or her her name is Francisca, but she's named after my her maternal great-grandmother, uh, who she never knew, but uh, she just is in her senior year in high school and getting accepted to all these schools. And it's uh, she's worked really hard and it's it's great. But when I was spending some time with them and I don't get to see them very often anymore, as much as I'd like, uh, she's become a pretty good guitarist. Um, and uh, she played, I didn't, I don't like to push people to perform, but she willingly played uh a song, the Lumineer song, Cleopatra. And I was just really kind of blown away by how good she was at it. Um, I, and I've never really heard, you know, my sister talk about it or brag about it, whatever. But it was just one of those quiet moments. I think when you have kids and when you see kids, young people, um, and I always think of her as a little kid because I've seen her, you know, when she was a baby. And uh, when you see someone start to reach this level of expertise, you know, and excellence. It's always really cool to see that, to take them, start taking these steps into, you know, adulthood and, and coming into their own and, and feeling confident and proud of what they're doing. Um, it was a, uh, it was a really special moment and uh, it was a great way to, to, to end the trip. So that was my well, that's, fa- that's fabulous, my man. Uh, uh, what's your favorite thing, Dave? Good for Chica. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I mean, shoot, my favorite thing, except for the last time we did this, it's always about my kids or my basketball team or whatever. So I don't know, since you put me on the spot, I'm going to go with my basketball team this time. We uh, we played a game at the at a Little Caesars Arena the other day, just kind of a whatever fun thing. Or on the ice? Every year. On the ice, a basketball game. Come on, man. <laughs> you guys um, beat the Pistons, didn't you? Yeah, it was close. Um, <laughs> on Cade. Uh, but no, it was awesome. It was great for them to get out there and just happy that uh, we've got 11 girls that, that played in that game and all 11 scored. They got a chance to to get out on the court and, uh, you know, get a bucket up. And so I, I hope I remember when I was a little kid, I told them this before the game. I remember when I was a little kid, I think I was probably playing YMCA ball or something. And we got to go shoot around, like just layups, you know, before a Pistons game at the old uh, Silverdome way back when they were playing there. And so um, you know, part of this year for them, this is their eighth grade year for most of them has been about, you know, creating memories and, uh, you know, I'm glad, uh, or I hope at least that that's a memory that all of them will, will get to remember at some point. Spoken like a true coach, create memories, you know, that's, that's what, that's what you hear from coaches more about <laughs> just about anything is great memories. That's awesome. My favorite thing is that Carl's admitted he didn't know how to make guacamole, which proves that he grew up in Iowa, actually, instead of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Eastern, not my, Eastern Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, that's not my that's not my favorite thing. Uh, although I I was humbled, not humble. That's the wrong word. I was uh, it was really cool that he he says he's on a quest to make better guacamole, uh, and and wrote that in the column. I thought that was fun. Uh, my, real quickly before uh, we we get out of here, my favorite thing is the fact that I had to do something to take me out of the house to record this podcast. And I know we take this for granted, and we talk about the ills of technology a lot and social media and phone and Wi-Fi and, and, and so on and so forth. But there's also some really great parts to it. And I can sit in a parking lot in my car and hang out with you guys and record with just this laptop and a phone, get the signal to do that on a battery that's uh, about to run out, by the way. 
But the fact that you can do that and you, we can still do this, move our jobs, the mobility, the, the flexibility we have in our lives, a lot of times it does cause issues and uh, maybe some heartache and pain and so on and so forth. But it also has a lot of fun bits like this and uh, interesting bits that let you let you uh, do all sorts of things you never thought you could do. Certainly we didn't when we were young. So it's pretty cool that I get to sit here and uh, in these circumstances and, and do something like that with y'all. So that's my favorite thing. All right, Carl. So we got to wrap this up. We got to let Dave go. You got to go. You're you're out of your 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 last bit of patience there, and I'm about out of juice. So, who do we need to thank? Let's thank uh, producers, repress producers uh, and editors, Robin Chan and Andrew Hammond for for doing all the hard work and the heavy lifting. And we have to thank executive producer, sports editor Kirkland Crawford. And executive producer and interim free press editor on Jeanette Delgado. Well, yeah. And then we also want to thank Dave Burkett for coming in and uh, bringing some knowledge to this podcast where, where there's not much normally, normally just a lot of, uh, you know, blathering. So thanks, buddy, for coming and joining us. Uh, you're welcome back uh, anytime. We love having you. We want to thank the listeners, also, Carl Strike, for, for uh, sticking with us and, and putting up with us. And, um, what else do we want to do? We want to tell folks that uh, they can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, Apple. And the most important thing is when you get there, make sure you subscribe. Obviously, rate us. Uh, you know, tell us tell us you don't love us. That's fine. Tell us you hate us. That's fine. But subscribe and then bang on us. That's fine. Trash us. But make sure you subscribe first before you do that. Um, because you know how that works, Carlos. Anything uh, any, Anything else? Are we, we good to go? Um, I don't know. I think we have to, uh, Dave might have to join us next year after Patrick Mahomes loses. And I don't know, he'll, he'll probably be too, you know, he'll be, he in the four, four day darkness retreat of Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs lose. But I mean, this might be the last time we see him in a long time. Two MVPs. Well, we will definitely get him back as we did up to the draft in one of his 20 mock drafts uh, or, or more, probably more. I'm sure looking for a personal record. Until then, my man, until then, Carlos, uh, we will, you and I'll be back next week with more free press sports from Carlos Sean. Thanks for listening. There's something that you're not saying.